Justin and Salim joining us from Tokyo. It's been like a while since I've recorded an episode. And I think we've had one episode since the last time you guys were on here. So welcome back, gentlemen. Thanks for having us back. I, I mean, in the lead up just now, it's great to see each other for the first time in a while, but specifically to even hearing one another, Salim made an interesting observation, which I thought was spot on. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it feels like every time every time we speak, Clark, you sound more and more Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. So, give me an example. Like, what do you what do you what do you pick? Oh, I up? think your um, um, abouts are sounding more like I, I I can't make the accent, but sort of say a. Deeper, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's going deeper, deeper, yeah. Ah, okay. Is that it? Did you ever notice anything like that before, Clark, when you've lived in other places where maybe your not your your English is sounding less Ontarian or Canadian, but maybe you're hearing other people speak English in that area a certain way started adjusting because of what you were hearing all the time. And I'm not only talking yes. about how we adjust, right? Like, you know, when we're speaking with English as a second language speakers, we try to adjust to accommodate and to, you know, to be able to articulate things and, and communicate effectively. Totally. But did you find your own language intonations and delivery were shifting a bit? Well, I certainly noticed after being in, in, in Asia for four years, pretty much, mm -hmm. uh, that I picked it up when I was hearing other people in Canada talking, mm. like I was making this remark sometimes out loud or to myself, wow, that's, that's really Canadian the way that person's talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I find with Paul sometimes when I listen to the episodes and doing my editing and, or when I play back the episodes, I pick up Paul's Canadian-ness when he's talking. So I did notice in Japan when I would, I would notice myself probably sounding Canadian. If that makes any sense. I, I've been listening to the Smartless podcast recently quite a bit, and Will Arnett's Canadian. Mm. And there are times when he actually really Canadian ups his talk. Like whenever when he had Wayne Gretzky on, he went into like I could tell he was I don't know if he was doing it as a joke or he was just naturally sliding into it. But he was like as they were getting going, and you know, Wade, like us hockey guys, uh, you know, like uh, we, we're 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 Canadian. We're, and I was like, is he doing that as a joke, <laughs> or is he just falling into that because he's just getting passionate? So, well, I mean, you don't. I, I guess, like on the scale of being sounding super Canadian, Clark, you have a sort of very moderate accent, I guess, uh, and. I mean, I guess I was only picking up on that sort of about thing that, because you just you just said it, uh, but I do feel like it wasn't maybe as pronounced uh, as when you were here in Japan. Like I didn't really notice it as Interesting. much. Well, I didn't consciously try to to bring it down in Japan, but I was conscious occasionally of it, if that makes right, sense. Right, like. Yeah. I didn't purposely walk through my day-to-day -day trying to be not so Canadian. <laughs> um, when Americans yeah. do things that are exceedingly American and embarrassing, do you play it up so you can differentiate yourself? <laughs> the Canadianness, so I yeah, can, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you don't get played as guilty as by association, you know, with the embarrassing. Uh, yeah, like hey, you know, I don't know these guys. Uh, <laughs> keep me out of it. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I I, uh, I I never thought about that to sort of start 
like emoting more of a Canadian-ness to separate myself from the pack. Cause I've certainly gone on like some road trips with some Americans, like did used to do some baseball trips a few years back. And um, we all would all just get into whatever the shenanigans were. So yeah, I didn't really find myself separating by emoting a Canadian-ness <laughs> about me. I've certainly been say on tour, tour groups or things, and there's clearly a group of Americans. I might just kind of slide away like from that <laughs> to disassociate, right, but yeah. yeah. Well, it's an interesting observation. I, I mean, would you say, as knowing other Canadians floating around out there, would you say I'm, where would I, f- you said moderate a minute ago, but like, where do I factor in if, if, if super Canadian, like who, is there a Canadian sounding person that you think about when you think of, wow, that guy really just personifies the Canadian uh, for me, at least, I mean, meeting people who are from more rural parts of some of the provinces, especially like someone who's from rural Ontario, you'd hear a bit more of that, I guess you could say deeper uh, sound that we associate with Canadians and maybe the stereotypes that we've even talked about in previous episodes. But to, hmm. to Salim's point, you know, those aboot uh, kind of more um, uh, caricatures almost of what what some Americans may associate a Canadian sounds like I've only encountered that with people who are from more rural parts. Um, and maybe that's no different than America in that way. Right. You know, cause we, we associate the sound of the South with a certain sound, a certain twang, but yep. the reality is it's not like that across the South. It's really more in like those deep, deep South places, rural Mississippi, rural Alabama, you know, that you're going to yeah. hear that, that kind of almost indecipherable Southern twang. Yeah. So, well, where you fall would probably be closer to the, you know, metropolitan uh, because you've grown up around Toronto your whole life, around many different types of cultures, most likely, not just one. Yes, because I've grown up in near Toronto for most of my life. Like we can tell like a Northern Ontario accent is is something you can tell. Mm. Uh, I would say you get a little I don't think there's the distinction of Canadian accents the way there is in American accents. Like, you know, you've got a Brooklyn accent, there's Bronx accents, Queens, all those areas. Connecticut has a certain a- accent to it. Um, like the New England, the Boston one, Harvard Yard or whatever, like all that. Then West Coast has a subtleish accent to it but in america i find there's a, some very distinct accents that you don't see that distinction so much in canada do you do you f- see that well, justin like because from being from there like yeah i i would i i from a canada standpoint i only i've had exposure to several provinces uh specifically british columbia alberta I've been in uh, Saskatchewan. I've been in Ontario only once, and I spent a bunch of time in, in Quebec as well. And they all had very different feels to them, um, maybe mm-hmm. both culturally and and also in deliver delivery of of language. But they didn't really feel as wildly varying as what you were describing yeah. in terms of the American sounds. Um, yes. I would agree from my perspective that the variations of them, there's just not the same, mm-hmm. especially in, if you look at New York city and the number of different accents that really are there, mm-hmm. like the Brooklyn Bronx, Queens, mm-hmm. other parts of like you, you can really hear these different, these different accents. Whereas Toronto, it would be tough to pick up. Oh, that guy's from, 
the east end of Toronto or the, well, how, uh, how about the, the north like, end? Or, I mean, and I, I really wouldn't be able to tell myself, but the only the only Canadian friends that I have are from either Vancouver. Um, I have friends from like Edmonton, Alberta, and then uh, southern Southern Ontario, and pretty much all sounds the same to me. Uh, I I don't I I can't really distinguish. I do get sort of bits of sort of that Canadian accent, but it all sounds sort of I don't want to say this, but sort of uh, generic generic Canadian accent slightly. Uh, but it's all fairly moderate. They're all sort of big sort of big city people. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if Edmonton is considered a big city, um, but anyway, then there's sort of the the other side of it, which is for me. Um, just what I see on like TV and stuff. I'm talking like trailer park boys, that kind of thing. I mean, that's <laughs> right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, and, and that's just the other side. Obviously that's probably like really exaggerated, I guess. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But is it exaggerated? And, and also is it exaggerated? And also Clark, can you tell, um, uh, people from different provinces? Like, oh, this is, this person's from like, um, Alberta or this person's from BC. I can tell more distinctly someone that's from Northern Ontario. Uh-huh. I could say, oh, that's definitely Northern Ontario. Um, maybe a little bit of Alberta. There's some some Alberta. I can't. I couldn't imitate it. And I love imitating things. And I don't <laughs> think I could lim- in, imitate. Well, yeah. I was going to say, if you guys have seen any of Peter Polyev and the way he speaks, he's got no. kind of a... Or did, did he even grow up in Alberta? He might even... Uh, I should. I don't know what I'm talking about. There are there are certain politicians I've heard speaking where there's clearly they're coming from, like Alberta. But um, a lot of them have perfected dumb, not dumbing it down, but t- toning it down because they want to seem sound more you know, local. I guess like or they something can relate like that. Yeah. to the whole country. Uh, oh, yeah, right, unless yeah. you have a French accent. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and a lot of the newscasters, for instance, like a lot of them have. I forget what they call it. It's almost like moved to slight Midwesternish kind of, mm. like especially the guys that were on the big three networks, like mm. Dan Rather and mm. Tom Brokaw. My dad used to say that they've they've probably taken wherever they've come from and they've sort of Midwesternized it because it sort of speaks to the whole populace. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't see them leaning into any of their wherever they're from because they got to be kind of straight and flat almost in, in a national way. Right. Otherwise, it'd be like. Because you've seen newscasters from New York, say, Buffalo. Buffalo has an accent. Um, where you're like, oh, man, that guy's – that that guy on NBC as the main anchor would be – it wouldn't work. It would just be – it has to be more straight. Speaking of which, did you see that video that went viral about a month or so ago where this uh, news reporter was on and she, she hit this point in her report where it was a, a moment of, of kind of – tapping into something emotional and she deferred to her Boston accent and she's like, New Hampshire, you know, like it just came out. <laughs> just like She was that, mm. she had that, you know, typical news reporter, you know, tone. And then all of a sudden yeah. the local accent just popped out and, and it, it became this moment of, you know, authenticity that I think spoke to a lot of people too. Huh. Interesting. I haven't yeah. seen So that. like the sing songy kind of newscaster and today yeah. in, New Hampshire, yeah. uh, but then she did a New Hampshire or something that it fell out somewhere in yes. her speech. Was it an emotional issue or is it just something? No, no, no I, I just think it was one of those things that because it, it was 
a point of emotion of the report itself, you know, lost focus basically, mm. and and then just deferred, defaulted to to what was natural in saying two words, you know, a place like Boston or you know New Hampshire, and it just came mm. out as the the normal accent, the the accent she probably utilizes her day to day, right? Yeah, and it has tucked away. Yeah, she's tucked away the the what would the word be? Not colloquial, not yeah, colloquial, yeah. like colloquial, like the she's tucked that away under her wherever to just put that aside. And yeah, when she comes home and the way she speaks to her family or friends, it's probably more that other way, like that, that New Hampshire way or whatever. So that brings us full circle to the first kind of question or the question that we're on right now, which was, you know, how you maybe adjusted your own delivery um, based on where you were for a certain period of time. And now that you're back in Ontario and maybe Salim is hearing, and I'm hearing a bit more of the, the, the Canadian default, in you. or maybe <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, kind of coming resetting back to to OG Clark. Um, <laughs> I love that OG Clark. <laughs> I, know, I, I think no, I think it's very real. I, I mean, I I often was told I have a musical ear in that way, and and in some people they they you know they might even refer to it as almost like code switching, right? You're, you're in a place for long enough that you start to sound like the locals, you start to deliver like the locals. Just because you've been hearing, that's been your mirror. That's what's that's what's the reflection of your own delivery in many ways. And I'm I'm so guilty maybe, of that. Like I, I totally did that when I was in Australia. I I mm, um, mm, mm. I really adapted to the sort of local um mm. to the local accent. Obviously I wasn't fully mm. there, but I, I would use words that were sort of colloquially uh used there. I would sort of change how I spoke a little bit. And it was uh it wasn't sort of in- intentional. It kind of came with time, but I also found that it was a lot easier to communicate uh, that way. And you didn't, because I didn't want to sort of necessarily stand out either. Um, so being able to speak more like the locals helps you kind of integrate in a sense. Right. Yeah. And I've noticed Justin, I've, I've noticed Japanese sort of things sometimes in your mannerisms. Like, so when you're, th- pondering a thought i sort of hear like a mm, 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 mm. Yeah. like and oh, I, that's a very common thing in japan <laughs> the way japanese will do that mm, 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 mm. yeah that that's i've seen you do that yeah. that uh makes me think ah he's, that's part of the mm. culture and you've picked that up mm. <laughs> there you go well that's um probably a lot longer than we expected to to talk about um me and my canadianishness so uh, people that are listening to this who know me might now be hearing or looking for something there that like I don't know how many Canadians really know how that they're talking that way or people any person any accent whether they they notice it themselves it's one of those kind of weird things that way but yeah um we got we got a few to- we, few things we're going to talk about today we we watched at least part of Pepsi where's my jet this uh, Netflix documentary, four-episode Netflix documentary. So we were going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, we also uh, chat GPT. I've been hearing about this for a while. Chat GPT, this um, artificial intelligence thing, database, almost like a the Google of AI, let's call it, where you can type in a question, your a, a challenge you're having. It, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we actually used ChatGPT 
to create for us uh, a dozen or so topics that we're going to do in a rapid fire format. So um, where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? Talk about Pepsi. Where's my jet? Yeah, let's get into the rapid uh, fire. Yeah, let's cover that off because I think that's something that we talked a few weeks ago that we should do another little review of something. And we said, we're not going to dominate a whole episode with it. We'll just uh, have, um, you know, 10 minutes on the topic. Yeah, we'll keep it quick. And I don't know who came up with this idea for this particular, to choose this one, but um, I think I kept seeing it on the Netflix. I think it was you, Clark. Whatever you call that, the checkerboard or whatever stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So Pepsi, where's my jet? I mean, it's it's about a a, a commercial from the '90s that uh, I guess that's where we're starting. Pepsi, where's my jet? It's about a commercial in the '90s that ha- it was uh, it claimed at the end. So it, there were there were all these points you could collect as a Pepsi drinker to incentivize people to um, to drink more Pepsi, and you could collect points from T-shirts to backpacks or handbag. Uh, gym bags to various things all the way up to at the end of the commercial claims. And if you can earn 7 million of these points, you get your very own Harrier jet. And the last part of the commercial is this Harrier jet landing in a high school schoolyard with this guy flipping the thing open and, you know, I got my jet or whatever. So the whole premise of this part of this documentary is that they were just kidding, apparently, Pepsi, when they claimed that you could win this jet. And um, before we get before that, even they, the the idea was, let's like, how do you win this jet? And they basically, this guy got a millionaire on his side to find a way to purchase the seven million points because there was some footnote that you could actually buy the points if you wanted to. You didn't have to drink all that well, Pepsi at ten cents a piece. Yeah. So. Yeah, as long as yeah, you submit so, 15 points in real points, you could buy as many points as you want in excess of that at 10 cents a point. So you just did a quick calculation, figured out it would cost at 7 million points about $700,000 to buy a Harrier jet. Yes, that's right. And for, and for and those the idea, who don't I think know, they researched and, it was $35 million to buy one or something. A real yeah, $32 million. $32 million. And, and I guess for okay. those who don't know, a Harrier jet is a is a fighter jet, right? It's like a, Yeah. Um, and it lands vertically. Like, um, yeah. It has vertical maneuver- yeah, maneuverability. True Lies yeah. really yeah. made. Yes. Yeah. You good, ever see good True reference. Lies? Good reference. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Great, great yeah. film. Absolutely great film. Yeah. But hold on. Uh, hold on. We, you're, we're, we're not setting the stage quite properly. So okay. you know, nowadays we talk about culture wars in a very different frame. And I'd say in like the 90s when marketing had a stranglehold on Americana when it came to products, product placement, and, and, and how important these different products were in our lives, this was a culture war between two colas happening at this time. So you had Coca-Cola and you had mm. Pepsi. And Coca-Cola was classic and they were just as, you know, Americana as the red, white, and blue, et cetera, et cetera. And Pepsi was trying to strike on the youth on a new generation. And they had all these great people that were part of their campaign, Cindy Crawford, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jackson, all kinds of really, really big, notoriable figures. And this story is just as much about this young man who came up with this idea as it is about what role marketing played in, in products like this at that time. And this big campaign wasn't just about the, the, um, 
potential to to get these different prizes when you would reimburse them because this is also a time in America where you can reimburse for cigarette points for all kinds of different things. Mm. People used to collect all kinds of, you know, points from their products to send it in for merch. And these companies came up with these great schemes that would launch a whole new plan to basically get you, the consumer, to spend more so then you could then buy materials to help them advertise on your body with, you know, clothes and, and bags and everything else. Yeah. So laying all of that over the top of what this young man kind of came came to came to 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 bear out this this business plan this idea and bringing in an investor uh, to help make it happen this is the foundation of this crazy scheme to buy a harrier jet for $700,000 that's the very well set up the culture war or the the the, pe- the cola war thing um and and just the impact of commercials in the 90s mm-hmm. that I was I was trying to think is this a generational thing in the sense or is this an age thing where I don't pay attention so much to what commercials are on anymore and get wrapped up in you know Coke versus Pepsi or the original remember when original Coke was mm-hmm. uh, like they they new Coke and all that and I and I thought maybe I'm just older and I don't pay attention but I don't think that's the case I think it's this is no longer how we are engaged with anymore by these companies it's not a commercial that comes on while you're watching seinfeld that there's like did you just see that commercial like it's we don't see that anymore it's it's tiktok it's it's other ways yeah. we get stuff I mean, thrown the at dynamics, us. So the dynamics this could never work today the dynamics have totally changed right i mean we're, we're uh like back in the 90s when people would actually i mean what would you do as a family or as an individual right you would when you had time you'd watch tv um, and th- that's yeah. not necessarily this, it's not necessarily the same anymore, is it? People don't, it, this, it's not, it's not sort of an integral part of, you know, um, the time that you spend at home watching TV. So I guess like, well, the scheduling of TV is different yeah, too. Exactly. You, everything's on demand yeah. now. So before it was, Hey guys at eight Seinfeld comes on or nine or whatever. And then after that is, you know, there was the Cosby show and family ties were known as. It was the eight o'clock was family ties. And then the Cosby show, I think maybe it was the other way around. That was Thursday night at one time. And then Seinfeld was always a Thursday night, I believe. So you just, you had the, you would just say to people in the family, yeah, the show's coming on or get out of the room. My show's on right now. And you're, you get the room back in an hour. It's back to your show or whatever. Yeah. Not the same way anymore. We don't have that. We've got our tablets. We want to watch individually if we wanted to. Um, we can just say, hey, tonight, do you want to watch The Crown? And be like, yeah, that sounds good. And then whenever we want to start watching it, we start watching it. Or we don't watch it, and we watch it tomorrow because we don't have to watch it tonight because it's not coming on. I must say, I mean, because I was um, I was born in 1992, so I was uh, um, very – I was just a child in the 90s. But there's something about that, about that era which – when I look back at it now, there's something, something, something to it. There's something beautiful about it. I think, uh, in its in its sort of simplicity, whether it's uh, you know these uh, these these commercials or or even the the TV of the time. I think there's just something. Uh, um, I, I don't know what what the right word is, but it's just romantic, almost romantic about it. Yeah, yeah. I I 
See, I kind of look at the seven. Can I make a production like note? Can you make sure to put the Baywatch theme song behind that last part there that <laughs> Salim was talking about? I, I, did, I did watch a lot of Baywatch. Very good, good call yeah. there. Yes, we know. We've heard, dear. We've yeah, heard. Yeah. <laughs> you always want to be the guy running, uh, driving the beat, the, the Jeep on exactly. the beach or the, for the ATV. Yes. Or, yes. So, yeah. okay. So, so just back to the, the documentary specifically. So I think we, Justin, you did a great job there, just sort of laying it out. So he he's got this lawsuit where he brings them to court, and he I guess this millionaire investor on board with him to also help him fight the suit. Uh, well, first of all, I guess my immediate reactions, and and you know, some people will have seen this and not seen this when they listen to this episode. So feel free to push it ahead to the next segment if this is totally boring, but. For those that have seen it, I mean, I would like to say we didn't need four episodes to cover off the story. That's my opinion. And I know Justin made that comment way back. And I don't know where you, why you made that comment, Justin. Did you? I, I think I made it based on maybe some of the other Netflix things we've discussed. You know, you know, most of the time when these shows are being pitched to, to Netflix, Hulu, et cetera, you know, they want, they want something they could serialize, right? They want something that they could draw out and spring a lot of eyeballs, get a lot of conversation going. Well, that typically means they have to stretch it, right? And something that could be mm-hmm. two episodes becomes four. Something that could be four episodes becomes eight. So when you first shared with us the, the premise of this, that my, my gut reaction was this seems, you know, like a, a thin thing to spread out in that kind of I mean, on that point, like, interesting that you had that feeling because I, I, I wouldn't have thought of that when I first heard about it. I, that didn't come to mind for me. That wow, f- they're going to talk about this in four episodes. Like you picked that up before you even had a chance to get into it at all. I picked that up two episodes and a half in, where I was like, okay, yeah, I see what Justin's talking about now. This is all these scenes of rock climbing and mountain climbing, <laughs> like, come on, like how much do we, do we really have to see them sitting in a tent playing cards? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this, yeah. Like, we get it. You guys are close. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with Justin. And uh, I think there's a bit of a trend definitely from, from the streaming companies to sort of elongate a lot of these doc, like documentaries into, well, actually that I think that's almost a keyword, right? What would have been a documentary movie? Right. So in the past, there were lots of documentary movies. It's like an hour and a half, maybe two hours at most, where you cover a topic and start to finish. This probably would have fit fairly well into that, except they, um, yeah, they, they did it in sort of what it was, um, four, four episodes of about 40 minutes each, which, which was way too long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so in general, did this guy have a good case in your opinion? Like the whole just, j- we're just kidding was, was basically Pepsi's foundational defense to this was nobody could possibly believe we were really going to give a Harrier jet if somebody got 7 million points. Like, do you buy that? Okay. Well, their position was coming from a place of like arrogance, like great arrogance, the, the, the these marketing you know, guys. And they were basically articulating like, we just want to be left alone. We want to, we want to be the creatives. You know, we, we want to just, just win this war against Coca-Cola. They're, they're projecting this as like, as if they're contributing some noble cause to society and some, some flight, kind to, of, flight to the moon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, 
I don't know. I, I mean, America is a fairly litigious society and there have been lawsuits won on far less with much more fine, finer points and, and, and details written into these different clauses of contests and things like that. And to me, my first reaction when I saw the ad and, and also the first reaction of the investor who, who partnered up with this young man was, wait a minute, like there's nothing there. It just says you will win this for 7 million points. And it, it's, it was more astonishing to me that they didn't have competition, that they didn't have other people that that didn't figure this out and just go for it as well. Because, right? I mean, yes, that was kind of the plan. They were trying not to be so explicit about it, but the reality was like, no, they were they were doing the very thing that basically Pepsi is trying to do and chopping it. Coca-Cola's knees, you know, they're trying to chip away at some opportunity they saw, which was the next generation of soft drink, you know, users. Well, they saw an opportunity to get a Harrier jet for, you know, what, whatever that would be one fifth the cost, you know, <laughs> or, or no, not one fifth, one, 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 what? Um, like one, one fiftieth, fortieth. Yeah. Or like one, yeah. yeah. One fiftieth. Yeah, one fortieth, one fiftieth. Yeah, one fortieth, one fortieth the cost. So I, I mean, I don't fault them in one one way or another. I don't fault them at all for for going for this. Fault who? The the young fault, man. Fault the guys who yeah. fight it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it well, it, another question. Did you do you remember this commercial, or were you too young, Justin, for it? Uh, I had just returned from Puerto Rico, and it was like a okay. deluge of these type of ads. Um, I kind of remember it. Uh, just because it was like at the same time as not just them, but like, uh, uh Mars, M&Ms, like all these different brands had all these kind of things because they were trying to get you to wear their gear. And I really hated that type of stuff. Like the, like the, the too much logos, too much like free advertising, you know, type of nonsense. And, uh, um, really switched on kit. I hated that stuff. <laughs> I, I absolutely hated that like, stuff. Like it was like you talking about things like Abercrombie and Fitch. Oh God! The front of your no or uh, no way. What other stuff like Guess or yeah, like, or or, uh, or like Gap, right? Like Gap, you're, Gap. you literally have this giant GAP on your chest. Yeah, I mean, it, same. I, I I couldn't stand that. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I recognize like the Polo Horse, for example. Right. Was uh was probably the one thing I liked that I did found was it because it was discreet and it was classy looking. Right. But yeah, until like it I wasn't. always thought because you know in the last ten like years they've done these things where they they blew blue they blew it up yeah <laughs> yeah they made like so a so garish yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, well we we said we weren't going to spend a lot of time talking about this uh, and for those that haven't listened or seen it they might just be have already pushed push. push uh, forward i have to put chapter markers in this so they well, can Salim, Salim, before we jump off of this where did, how did you come off of the 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 dock in the end oh um. I, well, I totally, uh, just keep it to be, to keep it quick. Uh, the guy, well, if, or rather, like if I had seen the ad at the time, I would have believed yeah. it without a disclaimer, right? It's, um, yeah. it's a legit offer. And, um, I don't want, I don't want to put sort of, uh, give out any spoilers, but if you watch the, doc, the documentary till the end, the lucky series till the end, you'll see sort of the, the opinion of the, the creative directors. Um, from the ad agency and what they actually thought uh, about it uh, as well. So um, 
yeah, it, it might be worth um, might be worth watching it to the end, even though it, it is it is fairly long. And um, yeah, uh, it's it's a legit offer. That's that's all I'm going to say. So thumbs up or thumbs down? Two thumbs up, two thumbs down. I, I'm going to give it a one thumb up, one thumb down. That's my because I I do agree it was fun some parts of it, but I'll go one thumb up, one thumb down just to kind of same good, but also yeah, same for me. Eh. Same. Cool characters, funny characters, great characters. All right, well, let's move on. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, r- let's do our um, rapid fire. Uh, we used Chat GPT to create a dozen random topics for us, so we're going to spend a minute or less on each topic. So, first question generated by Chat GPT: If you could have any superpower, what would it be, and why? Justin. Flight. Why? Flight for me too. Oh, really? I don't know why. I, I did because because we can't, and because I guess that's what we're always seeking to do is to soar in some way. So, flight. Yeah, same for me. Uh, Superman being being my name, Clark, and I've always had an association with Superman my whole childhood, and I just Superman the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Oh, There's so many things he does there. Where he flies and does stuff that oh, I act, love it, and so, his acting is exceptional. Like, so yeah, he's the best Chris Superman. Best Superman. I'd like to control time because it's just pretty cool. <laughs> Slow it down mostly, or speed it up, or go back to some other part. Uh, of time. Well, I mean, if I can, if I can do it all, that'd be that'd be awesome. But um, if I had to choose one, maybe just um, stop time. Okay, next question. What would be your dream job if money wasn't an issue? I'd like to be a carpenter. Yeah, because you're working with wood and, and the smell yeah, of wood. I, and what makes I you love the that? smell of wood. I, um, I, I love the idea of creating something tangible because I work in a very intangible um, sort of sector, industry. Yeah, we don't crank widgets in our jobs the way we would if we were building stuff like carpet. Totally. Huh. Uh, production. Production. Uh, movies, uh, music. I've always been very adept at kind of reading cues, reading people, getting people to an answer that, they, that they're seeking, bringing people together, identifying talent, putting talent in the right position. So kind of to your comment before about what I saw in that show before even watching it and and saying like, no, this shouldn't be that long. That was something I've always been pretty adept at. Mm. I'll go documentary filmmaker for me. Nice. Next, uh, do you believe in aliens? Why or why not? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it'd be arrogant to believe that we're the only beings. In existence, totally agree. I mean, yes, surely there are other beings out there in in the vast universe. Yeah, you have to think so, eh? Uh, and there's a great podcast I was listening to that talked about that and just how big the universe is. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I don't know if arrogant. What arrogant? What, what makes you say arrogant? Well, because we're talking about belief. So belief is this concept of us saying res absolutely. That you know, we do not think that this exists outside of these parameters. And you know, what are the parameters? Then is it just our galaxy, or is it the many galaxies within the universe, or the many universes that exist that could replicate similar livable conditions? 
Next question. If you could only eat one type of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Japanese curry. Yeah, I thought about this that it's got to be something that, I mean, whatever it is, it's going to get bland. It's going to have to get bland if you have it every single day. So, do I want something that's really great that just becomes bland? You know, it runs its course and then it's bland, or do I just go with bland right <laughs> off the bat, like oatmeal without sugar or maple syrup or anything? Oh on God, it? no! Go for something with uh, go, I go for something get... with flavor. I refuse to answer this question because I feel like it'll ruin the dish for me every time I think about it in this way. <laughs> if you could, okay. Next question: What's the weirdest dream you've ever had? Oh, I got this. This one. could go. I got yeah, this one. Go. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was a kid. I'm living in Puerto Rico, and I'm just starting to become aware of of women and their attract and them being attractive to me. I'm probably about ten years old. I'm still into the cartoon Garfield, and in this dream, those two things connect. There was a cartoon where Garfield whistles as a woman walks by, and the boyfriend walks by with her and turns around and looks at the bench and sees Garfield. And Garfield points at John, his buddy, and the guy pummels John. And in my in my dream, I had this same instance where I where I was with someone, they whistled and they turned around and I get my head lopped off by this individual who's, who, who heard the who heard the whistle. So that dream just stuck with me. <laughs> That's really interesting. Have you been to therapy to talk about it? Uh, not no, just for other things. <laughs> okay, because I can't come up with a, something on the spot like this, and time ran out, so I don't have to. Yeah, can't beat that one. Um, if you could travel back in time to any era, which one would you choose, and why? Ooh, we got a time stopper here, Salim. Ah, uh, this is so. Um, this is really difficult. But if the nineties. Well, I mean, yeah, the the nineties were cool. Okay, I'm just gonna go with nineties. I'm gonna go with the sixties. God, even like that Mad Men era, and it's not that far removed from my own. Like I, when I grew up in the seventies, a lot of stuff from the sixties still existed. But when I, I think I come when I think about this question, I, I watch from watching TV shows or, or movies where I see an era, and I think that'd be cool. Like the Mad Men era looks kind of neat. That's the, I'd probably go back to the 60s if it were me. Yeah, I'd probably go somewhere in the 30s, 40s in rural Puerto Rico where one of my grandfathers grew up on a farm. Just the way he spoke about it with such nostalgia was interesting. I'd, I'd like to check that out. Mm. Nice. What's the most unusual thing you've ever eaten? Kui. Uh, which is guinea pig, um, basically treated kind of like a, a game hen or a Cornish hen, you know, kept and fed and 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 uh, brought to a, a stage where it can be <laughs> utilized in this way, not just as a pet. Uh, and in Peru, cuy is quite common, um, both on the spit, but uh, I actually had it as a topping on a pizza in Peru. Wow. Yeah. I- that is... Unusual. That is that is unusual. <laughs> For me, it's unusual sounding. I, I, I actually recently had um eel backbone. Fried. Huh. Fried eel backbone. That was uh, it was interesting. 
It's not. It's actually nice and crunchy. Now is it a? It's the soft. soft no, no, crunchy. Like or hard crunchy. Like like cracker. Eel is like something you get in sushi too, right? Like it's a sushi thing. Like yeah, yeah, eel. you can get eel. Is that yeah, eel? yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get eel. Like it's red and it's quite tasty, sweet. They make it kind of mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah, yeah. But the backbone one I've never yeah. heard of. Slightly unusual. Um, for me, frog. I had frog embedded in some stew in China when I lived there. Mm. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite conspiracy theory and why? This is almost one that needs a bit of um, a bit of thinking. When I first read that, I thought of the Kennedy assassination, landing on the moon. Mm. I didn't even know landing on the moon. A lot of people built a conspiracy theory around that. I only learned that through a previous episode of this where Simon had watched an episode with his wife about landing on the moon, and they both had two different conclusions on whether it was a conspiracy or not. So, this isn't my favorite conspiracy theory, but related to that, my favorite conspiracy theory, part of that story is the fact that supposedly Stanley Kubrick was the one who shot that fake moon landing, which is amazing because he's the most egotistical director. He would never keep that quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ran out of time. Um, next one. If you could switch lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? I'm going to go Chris Martin Coldplay because I love I love the band and I I I love the fact that um he I I just like the guy a lot and I just think going through a day of doing interviews and, and then maybe doing the concert and being on stage that's really cool to me and I'd love to just be that guy for a day. I'm going Mark Zuckerberg to be that obscenely wealthy and a central point of conversation, but to simultaneously be so oblivious to it all. Hmm. Mm. You ever seen his video about the smoking meats uh, that someone did smoking these meats? Yes. Him in a backyard trying yes. to be personal about his yes. cooking in a backyard. It's so terrible. He songified like, it. He's like, he's like the chat GPT 1.0 of people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Salim, who you who do you want to be uh, for a day? I'm like I'm going more towards artists, and I'd be like maybe someone like Kendrick Lamar would be really cool to be for a day. I wanted to switch mine to a professional baseball player, uh, but uh, Tony Fernandez. Yeah, or just a baseball player. Yeah, maybe because I'd love to go through a day in the life, a weekend as a baseball player. Just yeah, that'd be cool. Um. If you could travel to any fictional world, which one would you choose and why? Ooh. Oh, whatever the, whatever that that planet was that they lived on in uh in the fifth element, that Luke Besson movie with uh Mila Jovovich and Bruce Willis. Luke Besson always had these really fantastical sci-fi fictional worlds i guess gondor I'm thinking of tv shows i watched movies yeah got where where sorry lord of the rings gondor oh um, mm, why mm, mm. I, I i love lord of the rings and um the world is just really cool yeah Quite. yeah yeah i don't know 
I'm drawing a blank. Were you a Trekkie, a Star Wars person, any of those? Sort of. More of Star Wars, but would I go back now? Like, what is that era? Is that back in the time? Is that... uh, not it's not an era though it's fictional world. It's fictional sorry. world. So, I'll, this is one of the ones I'll like an hour after we have record. I'll come up with a fantastic answer mm. to that question. <laughs> um, if you had had to be stuck on a desert island with one person, who would it be and why? I mean, I gotta say my wife, right? Like it just. There's no other answer to that question. Let's just say excluding my wife, who would it be? Um, someone who's a really good talker, conversationalist, someone who's really I- I- inventive, can figure out problems, challenging. MacGyver. It's going to be MacGyver. <laughs> I'm really struggling with this one. I feel like um, anyone I'm with would probably drive me crazy. The guy from Pepsi Where's My Jet. <laughs> the, 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 the rich guy. Todd. Yeah, because they spent a lot of time to get in a tent and they seem to be friends yeah, still. Yeah, that's so. true. <laughs> Trey's good company. Justin? Leah Kabidi. You can look her up. Okay. I'll put her as the um, chapter marker image <laughs> for the last part of the segment. Do you believe in ghosts? Have you ever had a paranormal experience? Ooh, this one reminds me a little bit about the aliens question. I believe in them and I won't say anything further to invite that bullshit into my life. Uh, I guess they could be there or they could not be there. Uh, There's probably no way to know for sure, at least for me, I guess. And, uh, but um, I, I actually believe, I actually believe that. I mean, I don't know why ghosts would be like harmful or bad. Like, if if there was a ghost around, I totally want to be friends with them. So come on, ghosts. Hmm. They're all yours, Salim. I'll take them. We'll be friends. We'll be, we'll be best friends. <laughs> Someone watch Casper. <laughs> I, I like Casper because he could dunk the smoke the the, the, the smoke donuts into the <laughs> into the coffee. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, I guess I don't really have an answer. Um, yeah, I guess yes. And I've never had a paranormal experience that I'm aware of. Okay, last question: What's the best prank you've ever be- pulled or been a part of? I've got a good one. Go for it. This is so childish. Um, anyone who's listening to this from high school days will know probably what my answer is going to be. Um, and I got to be careful because my kids, I think, are possibly with an earshot. I um, <laughs> I put an octopus into the school piano in grade eleven. Oh my god! <laughs> and I laughed like a six-year-old the whole time it was happening. Me and two friends, we uh, we were thinking we had this octopus, and we're like, where are we going to put it in the school? And uh, we're searching around. We put it in a locker and lock it. Okay, we could do that. Um, But a piano, just we were farting around on stage and we saw this piano. Before I knew it, the lid was being opened. The thing was being shaken out of the bag and it slid, slithered its way down into the bowels of the piano. Yeah, that's the the prank I've pulled off. Yeah, I can't beat that. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) And we ran out of time. So if there's anything, we'll have to cover it off in a different episode. So guys, uh, we are almost out of time. This, this uh, chat GPT thing, I think is fascinating. I think we might have to incorporate it somewhere further into our episodes. We, we could even do something in real time in an episode where we plug something into chat GPT and it answers for us. Yeah. Yes. Something on your mind right now? I've got no, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to table that <laughs> just right. like, I'm glad you answered the prank question. Cause I don't need that out and, and permanent record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got caught. And it, it's in permanent record. So. <laughs> well, now it is. I mean, maybe they expunged it from your record at some point. True. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's an era of my life. God. Just thinking of some of the people that listen to this episode, like my niece and nephew. Hopefully they don't don't follow Uncle Clark's stupidity. I ruined or probably ruined a very fine instrument. Um, <laughs> not a way to respect school property that was just a very bad thing that we did but um certainly got a lot of mileage <laughs> well gents uh it's been really great getting caught up and doing an episode again together and uh i think we gotta not let so much time go between the recording so um yeah i guess we'll s- until next time yeah well uh thank you Claire. Yeah, looking forward to the next one thanks I must say, I mean, because I was, um, I was born in 1992, so I was uh, um, very, obviously, I was just a child in the 90s. But there's something about that, about that era, which, uh, when I look back at it now, there's something, something, something to it. There's something beautiful about it. I think, uh, in its, in its sort of simplicity, whether it's, uh, you know, these. These, these commercials or or even the the TV of the time I think there's just something uh, um, I, I don't know what what the right word is but it's just it's romantic almost romantic about it yeah 